This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy out along with Paul Stone uh, here talking some college football. Paul's top three to five best bets of the week, three and two. On the season, got to ask you, Paul, your power ratings. How much did you adjust Colorado and Coach Prime? I was, I mean, when the week of ugly offensive football, I mean, where no confusion, no uh, late getting plays in, no hesitation on critical call, you know, critical downs, burning timeouts, the quarterback and the wide receivers being, that was such a high level of execution. Um, hey, part of uh, part of being a head coach is going out and getting your staff this uh, former head coach at Kent State, man, he had a great day uh, on Saturday in Fort Worth. How much did you adjust their power rating? I adjusted their power rating 11 points, you know, and it used to be in the old days, Jimmy, that guys who kept power ratings, they were a great, great debate um, uh, amongst us guys. You know, how much do you adjust a power ranking up or down, you know, based on a season opening performance. And a lot of people, you know, would say you can't adjust it more than three or four points and that type of thing back in the old days. But now, you know, when you have the transfer portal, I think all bets are off. I think you can adjust it, uh, you know, up up until, uh, you know, until the double digits as I did here, just because you have so much turnover on the roster. And, uh, you know, I knew uh, that Colorado had, you know, four or five, talented players, players that could play anywhere. You know, Travis Hunter, number one recruit in the class of 22 in the ESPN 300, the top recruit in the country. You know, originally went to Jackson State and then follows uh, Dion to uh, to Colorado. So they've got some players. I just didn't think they had that depth of, of, of talent. You know, they uh, obviously uh, are going to be a little bit vulnerable defensively, but offensively they're going to score some points. And uh, well, Travis Hunter be on alert, and uh, you know that's a that's a good offensive football team. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the Buffaloes do going forward. Well, they fit right in in the last year of the Pac-12. Well, they're going to put up some points, and they're going to give up some points. Uh, and also, got to add Sanders to uh, the list of, um, of of really quality quarterbacks that you have. So poised, man. He's not the athlete that his dad is. That's okay, but I mean, he's accurate, accuracy, poise. He, I was really impressed. And let's not act like this was happening. He never threw for 400 yards one time at Jackson State. So he throws a 500 the first time. And Travis Hunter can't play 144 snaps week to week to week. Okay, they're going to have to be a little bit more judicious there. You know, I remember uh, a lot of people talk about Charles Woodson. That was kind of a one-game deal against Ohio State to get the, the Heisman Trophy. Champ Bailey, we saw a little bit more here in the SEC. And he played about 10 to 15 snaps on offense, you know, return punt, so – I mean, he was he did a lot of things, uh, but I would say, you know, maybe half of the snaps on offense, I would leave him on the field on defense. I think he's, I think he's a little better 
uh, on defense. Just my opinion. All right, Paul, let's get to it. All of a sudden, look at this game. Huh? Down in New Orleans, uptown at Yeoman Stadium on campus stadium. The Ole Miss Rebels, well, they played a, a, high, a high school team, and so they rolled it up. Uh, plenty of rental wins in college football this past weekend. But you can't uh, even that much against air, so it looks like same old, same old. A lot of offense for Lane Kiffin's Rebels. And then Tulane. And we talked about with all they lost in Spears, who's really good. He's going to be a good pro uh, with the Tennessee Titans. The top leading tacklers. I mean, but Willie Fritz did go out and first time ever that another school comes knocking for the uh, for the Tulane coach and he stays. Larry Smith went somewhere and Tommy Bowden and others left as a stepping stone. But Willie Fritz is an older, older coach, but he knows how to adapt. He brought in 12, 13 uh, guys. And Paul, man, they... That was no fluke against South Alabama. I mean, they South Alabama could not compete with them. Going to be an interesting one. A lot of kids from Ole Miss, I mean, uh, New Orleans, go to Ole Miss. So they're going to be an Ole Miss contingency there, but a five-hour drive from Oxford to Uptown New Orleans. The Rebels are seven over the Greenies. You know, first of all, I'll say, you know, with realignment and with this move ultimately within the next few years probably to a super conference or super league of – you know, whether it be 40 teams or 60 teams or whatever, I hope that, that non-conference games like this aren't lost in the shuffle. Like you said, it's a regional rivalry. It gives a smaller team with a, uh, you know, a less prolific uh, football history than Ole Miss the opportunity to, to, you know, to slay the Giants, so to speak. So I hope we don't lose games like this because they're very good. As you said, you know, we got to acknowledge uh, how good Tulane looked in that opener, the 37-17 win over South Alabama, who I consider the co-favorite in the Sunbelt Conference. A lot of people expected South Alabama. A lot of money came in on South Alabama in the betting markets. A lot of people thought it was going to be closer, including myself. A lot of people really thought uh, South Alabama might win the game. But it was not a competitive game. Tulane was clearly the superior team. Uh, and you look at it and you, you say Tulane probably wins that game, you know, nine times out of ten, if not all ten. Looking at the game on Saturday, Yulman Stadium obviously going to be rocking, you know, with the team from the big bad SEC coming into town. Typically, this is the type of game where I like to look at that home underdog, uh, the team from the smaller conference getting its shot uh, at the team from the nation's premier conference, to be frank about it. You know, you only have – you have 12 games that you're guaranteed, and I look at it basically as you have 8.5% of effort to give over those 12 games to equal 100% if that makes uh, sense. And obviously football teams, especially college football teams, don't bring the same measure of collective team psyche to the table. This is a game Tulane is going to be sky high for. Uh, it's going to be a game that they're going to – you know, all hands are going to be on deck and everybody's going to be uh, – fully involved. But I just think Ole Miss offense uh, is so supremely talented. I mean, you got a big-time quarterback in Jackson Dart. Uh, you've got one of the nation's uh, top running backs in Quinshawn Judkins, who rushed for over 1,500 yards last year as a true freshman. Uh, you've got a top-five caliber offensive line that only allowed 15 sacks last year. You look at that two-lane defense last year in their uh, final five games – they gave up 410 yards or more in four of those games, uh, twice against UCF, against SMU, and then in the Cotton Bowl win over Southern Cal. The Green Wave got a lot of people back on defense, but you mentioned two of the guys that aren't back, and that's those highly productive uh, linebackers, Dorian Williams and Nick Anderson. 
combined for 599 tackles in their career, 56 tackles for loss. That's a whole lot of production, not easily replaced. I think Ole Miss comes in here in a high-scoring game. I think they win by double digits, uh, take Ole Miss, and lay the seven. And I think uh, a little competition uh, did uh, Jackson Dart well because I don't think uh, Kiffin was uh, thrilled with his level of play last year. But, you know, Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, Walker Howard, a five-star from LSU. Now, all three of them pl- got to play in this game, but uh, still uh, competition. It's, it's good for your roster in Jackson Dart. Again, ran a win, Mercer, but against Air, uh, he, uh, he looked pretty good. Uh, with 334 yards and four TDs, no interceptions on only 23 attempts. And they, growing up in New Orleans in the 70s and 80s, Ole Miss Tulane always played Paul, and Tulane not as not somewhat competitive. 42-28 is the all-time series uh, Ole Miss against Tulane. That'll be rocking uh, in New Orleans uh, Saturday, uh, 3:30 Eastern kickoff. Texas San Antonio loses a tight one to Houston. Uh, so they get swept uh, both close games in at home and home. Now they uh, uh, look at a bounce back against uh, against Texas State. Roadrunners here, 12 and a half. T.J. Finley, he's been some different places. LSU, Auburn, he had a um, he had a big uh, a big day. But we know uh, can he put a, a series of performances together like that? He's been inconsistent as a thrower over the year. Roadrunners minus 12 and a half. Yeah, Jimmy, I mean, these last two selections I'm going to provide are kind of the classic case of buy low, sell high, uh, going from week one to week two. I mean, you look at this matchup, first of all, it's a very interesting matchup. These teams' arrivals are separated by only uh, 50 miles. They're on Interstate uh, 35. You've got Texas State off its biggest victory uh, in football his- in its football history, beating Baylor 42-31 to Saturday in Waco is essentially four touchdown underdogs. The first time in school history they beat a Power 5 school. So really interesting there. But the dynamic that really takes it to a different level, and I'm sure it will be talked about a lot this week, Texas State's first-year head coach, 34-year-old G.J. Kenny, there at Texas State, He played his final season of high school football at Gilmer High School in East Texas, where I live. His head coach at Gilmer High School, Jeff Trailer. So we have a classic case of a teacher going up against pupils, so to speak. And I'll side with the experience here. A lot of things really point to UTSA in this game. First of all, we talked about it, Texas State coming off of a huge victory uh, sometimes in sports betting, we say what goes up must come down. Uh, you've got a Texas San Antonio team trying to avoid an 0-2 start. They certainly don't want to uh, get into that hole after losing at Houston 17-14 to over the weekend. And in that game, in that loss to Houston, their seventh-year senior quarterback, Frank Harris, threw not only three interceptions – but three interceptions in a five-minute span in the third quarter. So he's going to want to get that taste out of his mouth. That's uncharacteristic play for Frank Harris. Texas Antonio moved the ball pretty good against Houston, 417 yards, uh, but they were uh, held back by those three turnovers plus eight penalties. The Roadrunners, 12-4 and against the spread off their last 16 straight-up losses. Trailer in his three seasons at UTSA, 5-2, and two. Uh, off a straight-up loss. And then lastly, uh, before last week's uh, results, I had Texas San Antonio projected to be around a 24 or 24-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I made the line in this game 16 points, so I think there's some value 
I think Texas Antonio wins by more than two touchdowns, take the Roadrunners and Jeff Trailer, the teacher trailer, over the pupil Kenny uh, Saturday there at the Alamo Dome. Yeah, that was a difference. Uh, minus three in a turnover battle, three to zero, um, because uh, Texas San Antonio had th- three more first downs and 81 more yards uh, than Houston did. And I would say Texas State and Texas San Antonio's opponents last week were comparable. Baylor in Houston. And who would have, I'd have lost money on that, Paul, if you had told me who was going to be the uh, more accurate thrower on that day, T.J. Finley or Frankie Harris. So I like the angle there, Texas State to bounce back, minus a 12.5. Bouncing back. And also, what you doing, man? Scheduling. Don't go up to Laramie, Wyoming, the highest altitude to start off the season. We've seen teams get great, as long as Craig Bowl is still there. And, yep, they got bit again. We've uh, we've looked at this spot for a long time in the offseason, both you and I. Rare that uh, a, a Pac-12 team or, you know, one of those brand names like Oregon goes into Lubbock. I would have to say maybe the first time ever going in there. Now you're getting a little value here, buying a little higher. I think this look-ahead line was about three and a half or so. It's now double at seven, Oregon seven, in Lubbock against Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, we did. We talked about it basically all summer for the last three months, uh, playing Wyoming plus the 14 and then coming back and playing Texas Tech plus the points. I didn't expect – I did have Wyoming plus 14, but certainly – I didn't expect the Cowboys to get the victory. I kind of figured Tech would win by, you know, seven to ten points. But Texas Tech races out this past Saturday in Laramie to a 17 to nothing uh, advantage in the game's first 11 minutes. Then they uh, basically take the foot off the gas a little bit and ultimately lose that game 35-33 in double overtime. You know, as you said, heading into this past Saturday's opening games, um, Oregon here was a three-and-a-half-point road favorite over Texas Tech, so now we're getting seven. I also asked myself the question in this situation, what if Tech had won in overtime? You know, it kind of gets down to happenstance. Either team can win in overtime. You just – who makes that one big play or whatever. But if Tech wins in overtime instead of losing, you know, what are they – what's the line here? I think it's probably four-and-a-half, maybe five. So I think there's some more value there. And certainly Tech mostly unimpressive in the game's – uh, final uh, three quarters um, against Wyoming, we're still, I think we're getting some value additionally based on Oregon's eye-catching uh, performance, 81 points. I mean, that catches people's attention, and they don't really pay too much attention to the fact that it was a grossly inferior opponent in FCS Portland State. And then you get down to the, you know, kind of the bottom the bottom line for me. Those South Plains of Texas, they can be uh, – Awfully uh, inhospitable, if you will, to traveling guests. Soon to be uh, SEC members, Texas and Oklahoma can attest to that. Both the Longhorns and the Sooners lost in Lubbock last season. Uh, plus the Ducks. You look at their road performance the last few years. You look starting in 2020, uh, they've lost some games against similar opponents uh, during that stretch. They lost at both Washington State and Cal, laying more than a touchdown in the pandemic season of 2020. Uh, They lost in 2021 at Stanford as an eight-and-a-half-point away favorite. And then last season, they lost a regular season finale at Oregon State. I think they were only laying a field goal there, but they did lose that game. But earlier in the year, the last Saturday in September in Pullman, Washington, uh, they beat Washington State 44-41, didn't get the money. They were favored by six-and-a-half, but they were fortunate to win that game 
uh, last year in Pullman. And then you look at Dan Lanning. I mean, I'm bringing this up. It's not a huge point. But during the summer, you know, he made some waves when he started talking about uh, Coach Prime in Colorado and, and questioning uh, quote, trying to remember when they won something to affect the conference, end quote. I think he would have been better off spending his time preparing for the Texas Tech Red Raiders because I think Lubbock's an underrated place. It's a difficult place to play. I like Texas Tech plus a seven. Wouldn't be a bit surprised if the Red Raiders beat the Ducks outright uh, Saturday on the South Plains of Texas. Well, I mean, you, you look at it, I mean, uh, two more first downs for Texas Tech against Wyoming, uh, 111 more uh, total yards. Uh, Wyoming had two turnovers to one, and so, but three missed field goals. Three missed field goals. Those are turnovers. I mean, so, I mean, three missed field goals. Texas Tech should have won this game. So, you they were, they're the better team that they played, but it's tricky to go up there, highest altitude in college football. And so, you get, I think you make a great point. Texas Tech does hold on to win in overtime or hits a field goal where they don't have to go to overtime. I mean, this line is maybe four and a half or five. So, you're getting a real value uh, in this spot. And we, we already liked it at plus three and a half back in the summer. So, that is just fine. And Oregon, we'll see if they're a bully. A lot of those lopsided victories, does that translate? Or, you know, they just running up the score against, against much inferior rosters. We will see. All right, Paul Stone, three and two on the season. He's with us each and every week. His top three to five best bets all college football season long. And remember, Coach Landing, Coach Prime's keeping receipts. There you go. For Paul Stone, I'm Jimmy Ott here on the Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Reverse Networks.